Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat Podcast. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to the GoPowerCat Questions Podcast, brought to you by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. This is our second attempt at this. For some reason, the recording's... Tuesday failed. So it's just Zach and I this morning because young Ryan Gilbert is getting an education. One he needs, may I point out. One he desperately, desperately needs. I wonder if he's got a minor in pronunciation. Zach, I, I, he, he has problems pronouncing. pronouncing. <laughs> That's kind of ironic what I just did. Yeah. Pronouncing uh, some things. Major in hot takes and a minor in pronunciations. I like it. I like it. So it's just Zach and I rolling as a pair today. Yeah. And hopefully this works. Well, if it doesn't, you'll never know because you're not hearing this. Like I said, we're brought to you by The Fridge, but I also want to make sure you're aware that we're having a 50% off sale at GoPowerCat.com. It ends Thursday night. So make sure you roll in, take care of your 50% off, get ready for the rest of football and basketball. It'll carry you through the year at half the price. You pay for six months, you get 12. It's amazing. If you're not subscribing to Go Powercat, seriously, it's probably time to do so. It's recruiting Wednesday as we record this at Go Powercat. Every Wednesday, Ryan Wallace and our recruiting staff load the site with recruiting analysis and scoop And it's not the only day we cover recruiting, but it is a primary day of recruiting at GoPowerCat.com. Are you getting that from your news source? I bet not. Sign up at GoPowerCat.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network, 50% off. And if that's too much commitment, a buck for your first month, and go give us a test drive. Well, uh, I miss Ryan. Um, It's odd to be just the two of us. Yeah, And you're a groggy bear. So we are going to do our best to plunge into this and uh, make some magic here. Make sure you plunge into the fridge, our sponsor, and also uh, stop by Tanner's in the High Low when you're in Manhattan. If you're coming to town anytime soon, get in there, support your local businesses, whether it's the fridge, Tanner's, High Low, another business you may like, or even GoPowerCat.com. Make sure you support local businesses it is tough sledding right now in this economy. Zach, um, I'm uncertain about everything right now because when you have two recordings fail, you wonder if it's you, the actual device, the card. We're using a different card today. Or just maybe COVID. Can I blame coronavirus on the recording i don't know if your recording device can catch it or emit it and transmit it 
because I'd be worried that you're not wearing a mask right now if it could. There's a lot of rules. It's hard for me to follow yeah. along. Um, but we'll we'll, uh, we'll hope this records. Hmm. Let's get going. Now here's Zach with your questions from Wabash Station. This is going to be him and I going back and forth for 40 minutes. Ooh. From Jedediah, is Farmageddon a real rivalry? And do Iowa State fans see the K-State football program as something Iowa State's program could one day, could be one day when it grows up? Zach, I'll actually let you start because you had some really good points with this. So we talked about this last week, Jedediah. So if you if you haven't listened to the podcast or anybody, I had a pretty lengthy rant about Farmageddon and what I think, if it's a real rivalry or not. But the, the second point and the second question here is really good because I think that, yeah, I think that part of it is Iowa State sees it as a rivalry because K-State is a program that is within the realm of them being able to attain. You know, I think that, Iowa State probably sees itself right now as maybe in a little bit better position as K-State was in in the late 80s, early 90s. And, you know, they feel that they might be turning a a corner here with Matt Campbell. And maybe the comparison is that, you know, maybe they can get to Snyder 1.0 levels, you know. But what they have to do first is stop going to 7-5. and They need to win 10, 11 games a year, make it to – you know, make it to a New Year's Six Bowl, make it to the Alamo Bowl and win. You know, they need to, you know, they need to get better. But I think that Iowa State fans kind of see it looking up. And I don't want to call K-State a big brother to Iowa State by any means. But I think that that's kind of a little bit of the rivalry. Because, and I saw this on Reddit the other day, there was an Iowa State fan mentioning, you know, they're excited for Farmageddon because, you know, they feel like K-State's their rival because Iowa isn't in the big 12. This game means more than just, you know, a trophy game for them and really for K-State because it's just where the two programs are at right now. You know, this game means a lot in the grand scheme of the conference and in the grand scheme of, you know, the, the conference championship potentially. So I, I think that that's more of where the rivalry comes from. And I think it's more of an Iowa state fan from a, from an Iowa state fan perspective I think that it means more for them because they're on the up versus K-State, who's kind of in a defensive position of, hey, we've, you know, we've climbed the mountain a little bit. You know, we've slid down maybe slightly, but K-State football is still perceived as being better than Iowa State in maybe, a, you know, a, a two-decade span. You know, I think mm-hmm. that right now Iowa State might, you know, nationally might be the more respected and more, you know, highly looked at program, but the reality is K-State's won this game 11 out of the last 12 years and they really should have won the one they lost. So, you know, it, I think that that probably frustrates Iowa state fan, Iowa state fans more than K-State fans. And I think that that's kind of how the rivalry is. I agree. I agree with all that. And um, to expand on my thoughts from last week uh, to, add something new here i almost wonder if this rivalry hasn't grown in the eyes of iowa state fans in particular but also some k-state fans because of the absence of nebraska it created a vacuum iowa state always looked at nebraska as a big brother and wanted to beat them and i almost feel like with the amount of games kansas state's won in this series lately 
if it doesn't have kind of that feel, I'm not saying Kansas State is Nebraska of, of old, certainly not in its current uh, situation or situation, as Chris Clemens would say. Um, but I, I am saying that it, it's kind of replaced the Nebraska tension for Iowa State and Kansas State fans. Just kind of go back and forth a little bit with Nebraska, knowing that it wasn't really a rivalry because K-State lost more often than defeated them, and then K-State started beating them, and it really got a little more tense. So uh, I think Nebraska leaving the conference really left Iowa State searching for someone to focus on because, as mentioned, they don't have Iowa in the Big 12. Uh, and now they don't even have Missouri. And certainly when you come to football, you're not going to talk about Kansas as a rival. And that really does kind of leave Kansas State. And to another degree, they kind of have the same tension maybe with Oklahoma State. So maybe it's an ag school thing too. I don't know. Um, but uh, I I love the name Farmageddon. And uh, I wish K-State had won the last two games. So college game day was in Ames this weekend to cover Farmageddon. But they're not. We'll get into that in a little bit. Yeah. From Mountain Dew Cat 74, which seniors should we hope return next season? And which seniors do we not want back? So I've turned into the obnoxious guy in the Zoom press conferences that ask all the seniors this question, and all of them say, well, I'll think about that at the end of the season. It, 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 for everything with uh, all the availability and those things that doesn't feel like Bill Snyder, asking that question, Zach, sounds like Bill Snyder training of the players. They all say that. Everyone in the program says, we'll worry about that after the season. And honestly, that's probably a really good approach. No distractions. Uh, I have three guys, and I've said it before, that I wish would come back, and they all fit in the same box. They're all three guys that aren't really getting chances to play until their senior year, two of them because they just haven't worked up the depth chart or haven't been quite good enough in the third uh, because uh, he's been injured, and the third is Jerron McPherson. I, I hope he can come back next year, get a second senior season because he really hasn't been able to play as much as one would hope during his K-State career, and now he's really having a good senior season. The other two would be Noah Johnson at center, a, a guy who walked on after sitting out a year um, and has earned a spot on the team and earned a starting role and is a captain as a senior. I I kind of hope Noah comes back for another season, um, and mostly because I want him back on that offensive line. I mean, I think they could really use a veteran center again next year. And then Drew Wiley at defensive tackle, a guy who finally uh, got to the point where he can play on a regular basis and now is starring on the defense as a senior. And I'd, I'd like to see him back too. Now, would I like to have Bradley Morzak? Oh, heck yeah. Would I like yep. to have Skylar Thompson? Probably yeah. Uh, but I think Bradley will be off to the NFL, and I think Skylar has NFL aspirations or maybe coaching or um, whatever it is, his body is taking a beating, and maybe it'll be time for him to – Either use what he's got left trying to get into the NFL, which I don't think you know he's capable of that, but uh, or maybe just call it good because these injuries that he's having in college football are going to be with him for his entire life. They they will follow him around for a long time. I don't think there's any senior that you know we don't want back. Or we want to hope that doesn't come back, but I think that Skyler's probably the one where you say if he doesn't come back as a player anyway, I don't think anybody's upset. And 
you know, I think that, you know, potentially a grad assistant role might be where you'd want him, you know, have him, you know, kind of be next to will another year or, or two, you know, and, and plus with Jake Rubley coming in, you know, I think he could be a great mentor uh, if, if he decides to go that path. But I mean, even if, even if he does come back, he's not going to get the job day one. I think that, you know, it's Will Howard's job to lose if, if Skyler does come back, but you know, on your point, you know, I don't think Briley Moore is going to come back. You know, he does have a kid. And, you know, at some point when you're a senior, you know, it's time to make money. And I think that he's going to be the guy that restarts the draft streak, whether it's this year or next year. But, you know, I, I think that at some point it becomes more about life than it does about college football. And I absolutely wouldn't blame Briley Moore for going to the NFL right now. Um, you know, I think he's a good player. Uh, a couple guys that I'd like to see back would be the linebackers, you know, Justin Hughes, Elijah Sullivan, you know, get them walkers and have them run around on the field with them. But, you know, they're, they're two guys, they're two veterans, you know, Elijah Sullivan hasn't had an amazing year, but he hasn't done anything bad. He's just been solid. You know, he's just kind of a quiet guy. He's out there on the field making plays. Um, but, you know, this defense, as we've seen throughout the year, Lots of guys have stepped up, you know, the cornerbacks, Echo Boydo, Justin Gardner, TJ Smith in the secondary when he was healthy. You know, there's this defensive bit has been really impressive. And I think that, you know, those guys stepping up, the, those freshmen and, and younger players stepping up, I think that, that Justin Hughes and Elijah Sullivan being so good and so, you know, much older and smarter and, you know, they've had the experience. I think that that helps the other guys. So I think it kind of, it plays off to everyone else. And that's another reason why I'd want Noah Johnson to come back. You know, I think that having him back and paired with Will Howard again, will it, good for the offensive line, but I think even better for Will Howard, just giving him somebody consistent, you know, he does, you know, if he doesn't have to learn a new center next year, you know, I, I think that that would be beneficial for him going forward. And once he's got, you know, a year and a half essentially under his belt, then you can bring in a new center, you know, whoever it is. And hopefully it's a, a younger guy and, you know, you can have a two, three year pairing for those two. So if Will Howard is indeed the guy, you know, going forward. So, you know, I think w what you want as far as your returners, and I agree with you on McPherson and Wiley, um, you know, just guys that, you know, are going to, kind of benefit the other the rest of the team more than just themselves i guess yep. that's that's what i want to see come back i agree i agree wholeheartedly it it'll be interesting for all football programs because there's a layer in here of what the university can afford can you afford to add 10 football scholarships for a year and be at 95 instead of 85 because 10 seniors came back and then after that it drops back down to 85 and you still have a lot of players that should be seniors then that won't be. Um, it's gonna, it's just a real mess in the program. It's just really going to cause some problems. Are they raising the limit? Has that been said at all? Yeah, they're raising the limit for one year. For every senior that wants to come back this next season, you can add a scholarship. But it doesn't. So it's address... not a it's not a uniform number no. across the board. It's just based on the number of seniors that want to come back. Yeah, and okay. there's some real discussion about what universities can afford i mean if you're a mac institution i don't see you going above 85 scholarships i mean you're already probably losing money on football so 
It's going to be very fascinating to see how universities handle this. And as I've said over and over, I mean, when you look at it, uh, everyone, not just seniors, are getting a season back. So this year's freshmen will also be freshmen next year, and they will be freshmen in the same class as the 2021 class. And you're going to have an enormous bubble class there that'll really clog up the scholarship count for a long time passing through the program. So, I mean, even look at next season, this season's juniors, if they want to not use the season of eligibility, will be juniors next year. So you won't have many seniors next year departing the program. And that's really where the log jam begins to add up for all programs. But it'll be fascinating to watch how K-State in particular handles this. From Adam K 63 is the Big 12 down a little bit this year, or have the defenses improved? I think both, Adam. I, I do. Uh, oh, I forgot to call you a jackass. Um, I, I jackass. Uh, look, I, I think the Big 12 isn't as, as good. The quality isn't quite there. And I point to K-State. I mean, K-State's in contention for a spot in the Big 12 title game. And let's be honest, this isn't a great K-State team. This is a team that is just finding a way to win. And uh, has found a way to win a couple games, TCU and Tech, when maybe the offense wasn't playing great. And uh, they've kind of persisted. And and now they still have an opportunity to do some good things here with a stretch run of these final three games. But um, I don't think anyone is particularly great in the conference this year. I think Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are the two best teams right now as we sit here. But Oklahoma's early losses might cost them a spot in the Big 12 championship game, and it'll be almost impossible for them to get in if Oklahoma State beats the Sooners this weekend. And I do think the defenses are better. I think people are catching on how to stop some of these um, spread offenses or, you know, a little more advanced offenses, and it's gotten a little more difficult. But I also think maybe um, the running game has come back into the Big 12 a little bit more than it was at times with all the spreads. So I, I think both are true. Uh, the conference is down a bit. I don't think there's anyone really worthy of the playoffs this year, at least not right now. Um, maybe Oklahoma State will get the big win over Oklahoma and put themselves in that position. But I, you know, watching them with the eyeball test against Kansas State, I wasn't overwhelmed. I think they're good. I think the defense is actually uh, pretty good for Oklahoma and um, Oklahoma State. Excuse me. But uh, I, I think the conference is down and the defenses are, are really showing up this year in the conference. But, you know what, Zach, this kind of reminds me of early in a training camp. Without as much practice as these teams needed, defenses will be ahead of offenses typically. Um, you know, it's harder to learn the complex schemes of an offense in a short period of time. And I think maybe offenses are struggling to the benefit of defenses. I think it's probably a little bit of both, like you said, Fitz, but... You know, seeing the defenses this year, yeah, they look improved, but, and this is kind of a cop-out answer, and I've used it a lot, but this season is not like any other season. It's crazy. You know, we're in a, we're playing in a pandemic. You know, we're lucky to have it, you know, have football games. So, yeah, I think it, the defenses look better, but I think it's just because the offenses don't look great at all. And That's truth. Oh, showing me a dog. <laughs> we have a visitor on the podcast. It's a matter of time, folks, before she barks. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think the the offenses are probably a bit down this year. Uh, defenses are up, but I, like 
if this lasts for two, two or three years and, you know, in the future, you know, we see that the, the trend continues, that's great. And we can look back and say, yeah, the defensives have gotten better, but until we have a regular year or a regular two years, I just, I don't feel comfortable saying that the big 12 is down and the defenses have improved. And on your point on the playoff fits, you know, with a shortened season, there was no margin for error this year. Oh. You know, you need to win your games. You know, I, I don't know how you can argue taking Oklahoma state, even over BYU or Cincinnati, if they're undefeated, you know, is, is like, that... I, I just th- like there's there's arguments here, especially a big 12 team, at least in the eyes of the committee. They hate the big 12. You know, I, it'll be interesting to see. I think next week of the first is the first week they're going to release rankings. And man, if 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 Oregon and Ohio State are in the top. Top four, but also top 10, it's just kind of a shame. I think it's a shame that, you know, I think that teams that sat out are going to be rewarded a little bit and teams that manned up and played and, you know, played as many games as they could, especially as an independent like BYU. And if they go into undefeated and they get left out, you know, it's, it's going to be a shame. So, you know, I think that a lot of people are going to see this college football playoff as a farce as it is, whoever makes it. And, you know, it's just going to be, it's going to be a shame that, you know, undefeated teams are going to be left out, I think. Absolutely will be. And I think they will both be left out. Although now the question arises, will BYU be undefeated? Because the Pac-12 just announced this morning, here's a little added bonus that you wouldn't have gotten in yesterday's recording of the podcast, that the Pac-12 member institutions can reschedule, postponed, or canceled games with non-conference opponents. And I think that was directed towards maybe getting BYU some of those games uh, in within, uh, you know, they have no Power 5 games this season because of the scheduling problem. Wouldn't have been that problem if they'd played in the Big 12 like someone wanted, but uh, now they're ro- rolling through a, a schedule. Uh, it's clearly they're at an advantage playing, you know, lesser programs. Um, and, uh, you know, you got Liberty out there too that is yeah. rolling. Uh, I don't know what. Coastal Carolina. It, it's it's really a shame. I, I almost feel like those four should have their own damn playoff and and uh, go for it. But, um, yeah, hopefully <laughs> – BYU will FCS. Yeah, BYU <laughs> will get in a uh, game against a, a Power Five opponent by rescheduling with a, a Pac-12 team. We'll see. We'll find out. Uh, but uh, I like Cincinnati and BYU a lot, and this is why I wish we had an 18 playoff. I mean, I wish every we didn't have this dispute. If you're the champion of one of the Power Fives, you are in. If you are the best of the non-Power Fives. Uh, and you meet certain thresholds, you know, which both these teams will, uh, you're in. And then you have two at-large bids, which they could use, you know, another at-large bid for um, Cincinnati, BYU. We'll see. I, I wish they would expand, <laughs> but they won't do it. They, they they won't do it for one reason. They know it'll help. They know it'll work. They know it'll um, add another game to the season for the best teams. Oh, well. I I don't even know what to say anymore. It's really not about the fans or or anything at this point. But uh, I think an 18 playoff solves a lot of a lot of issues that I knew four teams wouldn't solve. Um, but here we are. 
Uh, now they really need it in this pandemic because you're not getting enough looks at teams. And I don't know what the committee's going to do. I think we're going to have a column from one of our uh, voices at GoPowerCat.com, one of our subscribers, that will come out uh, maybe uh, Thursday or Friday about all of this. I don't know how the committee's going to handle 7-0 and Oregon as opposed to 9-1 and Oklahoma State. You know, I, yeah. I, I don't know how you measure those things, and let alone then add in – BYU, which is clearly a good team, but not playing very many quality opponents. I don't know how they're going to pick four. I think they're just going to fall back on their Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and you know whoever else they want. Florida, Texas A and M, or Oregon One if they're undefeated. You know, if Oregon seven to zero, they'll get in. If I'm just pulling the team out, I don't even know the Pac-12 standings. Cal is seven to zero, they wouldn't get in. It, yeah, it's. That's that's the problem with what is going on with the playoff now. It's about name brand way too much. And maybe that wouldn't change, but you don't win a conference title on name brand. You go out and have to do it on the field, and that would get you in automatically. And thus preclude the committee from excluding a TCU or a Baylor like they did one year. From Adam K Adam K sixty three once again. How surprised are you that ESPN is headed to Norman for college game day? I'm not. I mean, it's a big no. game. It's a nice rivalry. It's Oklahoma's playing well again. Oklahoma State's perceived as the best team in the conference. It's a rare time when Oklahoma State enters this game high, more highly ranked. It's very interesting. But um, I'm glad. I'm glad maybe they'll talk about the Big 12 a little bit because the Big 12 is, as I said, on a daily delivery. Um Kind of set the trend here. Odd, weird position for this conference to be in, but by hopping in and competing early, you know, even Chris Kleiman admits he's stunned that they've gotten seven games in without a reschedule. It might be coming this weekend, but it yeah. it it uh, it's going to be very interesting. Maybe K State will get through a ten game schedule without a reschedule, which would be, in my book, a minor miracle. Um, but so, yeah, celebrate that the Big 12 has been playing football with only one conference game misplaced and it, they created a slot for it the second weekend of uh, December before the Big 12 championship on the 19th. The conference has done everything right here, Zach. Yeah. It's a rare time to say that uh, it took a pandemic to bring out the best in the Big 12, I guess. Yeah, I'm completely unsurprised that ESPN's going to college game day. ESPN, or going to Norman for college game day. ESPN has been very fair to the Big 12 from the standpoint of they will make it to the Big 12 at least once in a season. You know, it might be Bedlam and it might be the Red River shootout, but those are the two games that ESPN has circled on their calendar saying, hey, if the Big 12's not going to have any other games that we could go to, at least we can go to one of these. So, you know, since they are a television partner of the Big 12 conference, I don't know if there's any sort of obligation for them to actually come to a campus once a year, come to a game once a year, but you know, it makes sense for them. You know, they're invested in it. They need to make an appearance at some point. So, and, and they've been good about coming at least once a year to a game. So, you know, I'm, I'm unsurprised just because this is probably the last marquee game on the schedule for them to actually make an appearance at because, you know, if they don't come this weekend, you know, where are they going to go? You know, they're not going to go to K-State, Texas on December 5th. So 
I mean, that's just kind of the reality of it. So, man, that'd be exciting. Well, if that if College Game Day comes to Manhattan for for the Texas game on December fifth, some crazy stuff happened in these next couple of weeks. I'll tell you that, <laughs> and we'll be excited. <laughs> Next, uh, last question of the first half is from Claws Out, Balls Out. Let's pretend that it's 2024. Who has more wins between Neil Brown and Chris Kleiman? Zach, I loved your answer. You've done this. We've done this question before, and Zach had a great answer. Now, who's going to be their schools in 2024? Because that's probably how I answer this question. If it's going to be wins at K-State and wins at West Virginia, I'm going – Chris Kleiman at K State. Hey Fitz, are you frozen? Okay. No. You were just you were just sitting. Okay. I no. thought you cut out there. That'd I was be, worried. That'd be so on brand for this edition of the <laughs> yeah. podcast. I was worried that I was talking to nobody there. Um, yeah. If I think Neil Brown is a is a candidate to to go elsewhere, whether it's SEC. I mean, he's got Southern roots. Maybe he maybe he'll get a look at South Carolina. Maybe he won't. We looked at the hot board on the on the podcast yesterday that we had to scrap because it didn't, I don't know what it did. Didn't save. Um, <laughs> but I think Chris Kleiman is at K state for the long term. I think that, you know, you mentioned it yesterday Fitz, when we, when we did that podcast that, you know, when it came down to Neil Brown and Chris Kleiman, you know, the feeling was that Gene thought that Chris would probably stay around longer than Neil, you know, and that's not a dig at Neil. It's just, you know, he's not from the Midwest, you know, and he seems like a guy that, you know, he would use K-State or West Virginia as a stepping stone. So I think that, you know, I think that Chris Kleiman will probably have more wins at K-State by the time it's 2024. And I think that Neil Brown probably won't be the coach at West Virginia in 2024, but I don't think that means he's going to be bad at West Virginia. I think he's going to be good at West Virginia. Um, and I still think that Chris Kleiman could very well have more wins at K-State than Neil Brown at West Virginia. And I still think that Neil Brown would be hired or be considered a, a more sought out candidate for a, an open you know, coaching job. Uh, I, yeah, I think that Neil Brown would, would be the guy that, that leaves over Chris Kleiman. I, I, I agree with all that. And, you know, I think even I'll, I'll stay, say this. I think Neil Brown's more likely to stay at West Virginia long-term than Kansas State. Just kind of a cultural thing, being a Southern guy. West Virginia has more of a Southern feel to it, even though if you look at a map, it's actually further north than Manhattan, Kansas. But um, I think he's just more comfortable in a Southern environment. And um, I can see him staying there, but I also think he's going to be high on the shopping list of any uh, SEC program that, that needs to go find a coach at some point. You know, if he continues to have success, maybe South Carolina, it's too early. He hasn't proven enough of West Virginia, but I think it'll happen. It'll happen eventually. And people will come after Chris Kleiman. I just think he's, uh, with his relationship with Gene Taylor, being a Midwest guy, I think he's more likely to stay at Kansas State through 2024, even if he's having success. Only time will tell. Only time will tell. That's it for the first half snuck up on me there and now uh zach was wondering if i had frozen a little bit ago but no i was actually on amazon shopping looking for a new recording device just in case i hit stop here and this doesn't work but if you're hearing this it worked 
PowerCat Podcast. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We now send it back to the PowerCat podcast. Welcome back to the PowerCat questions podcast brought to you by the Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Man, it worked. As far as I can tell, we have a first segment in the can. If you're not following along here, uh, we recorded on Tuesday, and both recordings failed to a degree, and we have no idea why. So Zach and I have reconvened while Ryan Gilbert gets his beauty sleep. And he needs a lot of beauty sleep, you know? And you're lucky I woke up in time. Yeah, Zach's a little groggy. I'm uh, functioning on caffeine right now because Wednesday is my pregame day so i've got four segments of the pregame podcast to record it's going to get very exciting today lots going on but we're getting the questions podcast redone because we love you at go power cat and we'd love you more at go power cat if you were a subscriber we still love you it's kind of like the favorite child then you become the favorite child once you subscribe there's a big yawn by zach right in the middle of the read yep 50 off right now at go power cat it ends thursday night Thursday night, make sure in the next day and a half, you get over to Go PowerCat. If you're not a subscriber, if you enjoy the podcast, please support us. Please become a member. I think you will enjoy our VIP content quite a bit. It is Recruiting Wednesday at Go PowerCat, where we load up the site with recruiting content. And yes, some of it is free, but the really good stuff sits behind the paywall for our paying customers. And it's half price right now. If you uh, are a commitment phobe and don't want to get in for a whole year, a dollar for your first month. That is always available at Go PowerCat. One dollar, one month, a 30-day test drive. Pretty cool. You can come check us out and see what we're about. If you've never subscribed to a site like this, it is coverage different than you will get anywhere else in the media. And uh, so if you're just getting free stuff, you're not getting the same type of coverage you do from VIP analysis, commentary, and recruiting. It's what we save and put behind the paywall. So hop on over, 50% off right now at GPC. We hope you join the family, the growing ranks at GoPowerCat.com. Our segment sponsors are Tanners and the Hilo. Please support them like you support GoPowerCat and all local businesses. Oh, Zach, we made it through a segment. Brother. Woo. Let's do another one. Woo. Here's your questions from All Badge Station. From Soldier Cat, he's not new to the site, but new to the podcast, so welcome. 
Should I be concerned about the high number of transfers leaving the program? And why are so many players transferring out of the program? Well, um, it's just a year of discontent. Everything's out of sorts. I mean, COVID has made life challenging for all of us. So looking back when I was 19 years old, away from home, COVID has locked me in my apartment. Um, all I do is football and school. Probably any underlying feeling, feelings of discontent are just heightened right now. This is not unique to Kansas State. And I think every fan base kind of feels like the, their program's falling apart because kids are transferring. It's going on everywhere. It's going on everywhere. Kids have sat out uh, and really used it as an excuse to just not play and not come back to school. So um, I'm not worried about it. I think there's a process here that is, uh, to be honest, weeding out the players that aren't fully committed to what they got going on in that locker room. And we will have some scoop a little bit later in the week about another another departure. Um, and we're still working to put the final bows on verification of that one, but we're pretty confident it's right. So we'll have something more later in the week at Go Power Cat. This is a, a weird year. A weird, weird year, and um, I think a lot of us are going through issues right now, and I can't imagine being a teenager or a young adult going through these in a different town. Maybe you're not getting the playing time or something else is going on in the locker room. And I think there's been some other distractions, too, in college football that have derailed some guys. So uh, it's it's not it, it's not a K-State thing. It's, it's a college football, it's a college athletics thing, and the portal has made it very visible. Like you mentioned, Fitz, you know, it's happening everywhere, but yeah, a reason that, you know, it seems like a lot of guys are leaving is because the transfer portal exists and it hasn't existed since, you know, I think it was October of 2018 is when it first made its debut. So it's barely been here for two years. So, you know, now that the, the portal is there, which it's good that there's a portal because, you know, it makes it transparent for coaches. I mean, you're essentially re-entering the recruiting market for, for coaches to seize so they know what's available um, because you can't just recruit players that are already playing for, you know, a school, you know, that gets into tampering. And I mean, you just, you can't tell kids, Hey, come transfer and play for us. So, you know, the portal makes it, you know, easier for players to find schools, easier for coaches to find players, you know, the portal is a good thing, but another thing that the portal brings is, you know, this level of transparency for the media too. You know, we find out essentially every player, you know, it comes out, you know, and every player for K-State, you know, there's a story on it, whether, you know, he's, you know, Ronald Triplett or, you know, whoever else transfers, Jonathan Alexander, you know, it doesn't matter who the guy is, you know, we're going to have a story on, you know, a dude entering the transfer portal and, you know, people read them and, you know, I think, I think people probably think that some of these departures are, are big and, you know, it, it happens everywhere. Like you mentioned Fitz. And I think that just because the transfer portal exists, you know more about the transfers because back in the old days, you'd have to old days being early 2018 <laughs> and prior, uh, you know, you'd have to look at the roster and say, Hey, he's missing. W what's up with that? Why is he not on the roster? So, you know, you have to. And Coach Snyder would leave him on the roster. 
Right. You just have to notice that they're not around on game day. Right. You'd have to like you'd have to actually like do detective work. Now it's like, oh, he's in the portal. Oh, write a story. People eat it up. You know, the program's in danger because you know, we know that he's not there instead of just not seeing him on the sideline or he's miss he is missing from the roster. So you know, it just it makes it you know it makes it easier, and I think the the perception that you know, oh, there's you know the program's on fire, everybody's leaving the building, and that's not really the case. No. You know, you leave, you lose a lot of players every year, whether they're scholarship walk on doesn't matter. There's there was turnover before. There's going to be turnover tomorrow. You know, and you know another thing going back to the our previous discussion about seniors coming back. You know, if enough guys transfer, you know, and they aren't really replaced by transfers, at least at K-State, you know, any school can do whatever. You can kind of alleviate the problem of having these seniors coming back. You know, you just, you don't take, and, you know, it'll trickle down to these incoming classes having less, you know, less spots coming in probably. But, you know, I think that, you know, with the way the transfers are, I think that this will kind of alleviate the problem of having the seniors come back. So, you know, it's hard to reenact brilliance. It really is. Uh, but I'm going to reenact it from yesterday. Zach, uh, I want the NCAA or maybe we can develop the portal app. It'll oh, be yeah. just like Tinder. This, this idea, this idea, it'll be just Make like sure Tinder, but for it. recruiting transfers and, you know, you can get into your portal app and, there's your little photo and all your measurements. Maybe with some highlights. Maybe we can work in some highlights. Kind of uh, maybe we team up with Huddle and we get some highlights going. And uh, then like Matt Campbell likes your likes your profile and could swipe right. And boy, that's dreamy. They get in a Matt Campbell swipe right. That maybe Iowa State wants me. That'd be fantastic because he's the greatest college football coach since Bear Bryant. Um, do you think that? Do you think that if I'm a high school athlete, am I swiping right on every school that pops up? Am I kind of like a guy in this relationship, and then the, the schools are the girls, and they get their pick of the litter? No, it's the other way. It's the other way. You're the you think girl. it's the other way? Yeah, uh, you're you're, uh. you're in there, and then then you know Chris Kleiman or Tom Herman has to swipe right on your your profile, and it seems like Tom Herman would be a guy that would just swipe left on everyone. Not good enough for Texas. Not good enough for Texas. Not good enough for Texas. Just go through the entire portal database. Fitz, I think you're describing the girl's side of Tinder. I think that my my uh, oh, yeah. my analysis here in comparison. Oh no! Hold on! No! 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 You you the girls can be on Tinder. You can swipe right, right? Uh, no, the girls like every guy swipes right on every girl. Girls, well, that's just pathetic. Cho- What's wrong girls, with you guys? Girls get to, girls get to choose. Okay, maybe I've got this backwards. <laughs> you have it backwards. <laughs> you know, I, I I'm glad I just proved that proven that I've never used Tinder before. <clears throat> but it's still not better than my other idea, the Tinder for over 55 crowd, brittle. So we can just you know everyone go in there and it's, it sounds like a peanut butter trading <gasps> group. Yeah, it's good. Peanut butter brittle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's, no, it's about uh, – and you probably have to mark on there every time you've broken a hip on Brittle because that's kind of the point. We're, at our age, we're brittle. Let's move on. Zach. Watch out for slippery sidewalks. From Oiler, Oiler Cat 2, are all these kids entering the portal even thinking this through? Are they getting bad advice and making a rash decision? 
or is it just a year to take advantage of extra eligibility rule changes because of COVID? All of that. Uh, they're not thinking it through. They're, they're thinking I get a free year and I can go redo my recruiting and go to a new school. But what they're missing is the everyone's going to be tied on scholarships. I mean, the seniors are going to be coming back. Maybe you add scholarships for them, but then you're going to have this mega class of 20 and 21 recruits, all freshmen next season, basically. Go be a master. There's not going to be as many openings. So I think all these guys, with the exception maybe of a Joshua Youngblood, someone that's really proven themselves on this level, I think we're going to see them all moving down. Everyone's going to move down. Um, and maybe, you know, that maybe that's best for them as players and personally not be at the Big 12 level, not be at the demands and maybe end up in Conference USA or, you know, MAC or even FCS. You know, you end up, you transfer down and end up at a place like Northern Iowa. I think Briley Moore's proven that you can play some pretty good football at that level. There's good players at that level. And and maybe, you know, being the big star on campus at that level is better for you, less pressure, um, more playing time. Now, guys got to go where they're going to be happy. And if they're not happy here, go. But I hope they can find places to play. I'm afraid the net resort of the portal is going to be too many guys transfer. There's not going to be enough landing spots. And young men that had an opportunity to get a college degree for free are going to end up without a place to play football on full scholarship like they had hoped and planned and assumed uh, and taken for granted because there's going to be a shortage of scholarships. And I, I think we're going to see uh, kind of shifting topics here. I think we're going to see the 2022 class suffer from this. There's going to be a real shortage of scholarships around the country for those 22 grads, and that's a shame. This is not their fault, and I think the NCAA is going to have to address it. But for these transfers, no, Euler. They haven't thought it through, and – you know, they're 19, 20, 21 years old. They're not thinking much through right now either. Now, if it's middle of the season and you're a sophomore or a junior, you know, if you've at least been around for a couple of years, I don't really mind guys leaving in the middle of the year if, you know, if, if that's what they want to do. At least they've given it a try. But with these freshmen that are, you know, leaving in October or early November, they've been on campus, well, been on campus as football players for longer than two or three months, but as being a student enrolled in regular classes, you know, I, I couldn't imagine transferring after three months, you know, like I, if you guys didn't know, I went to Oklahoma state my freshman year, I'm from Manhattan. And that's just kind of the thing you get out of Manhattan for a year. And then everybody eventually ends up at K state. But, but even, you know, if looking back to October of my freshman year, there was no way I was going to transfer at that point. I mean, really, I didn't transfer until a couple weeks before I needed to make an actual call and if I wanted to go back to Stillwater or not, but over the summer. But just looking back, like before Thanksgiving, thinking about transferring, absolutely not. I mean, it's just, it's halfway through the semester, basically. So, you know, I just, I don't get it. You know, it, it, football or not, you shouldn't be transferring you know, essentially 90 days into your college career. I mean, it's just insane to me that, you know, they can make that decision, but they also have people in their ear supporting the decision saying, yeah, yeah you need to leave right now from this power five institution, take your chances on 
going where? Where do you want to play? Do you want to try and work and play at a power five level at K State? Yeah. Really anywhere? Did you or do have... you want to go land, or do you want to go land at, you know, Texas State or McNeese State? Or even or, at South Florida. You yeah, know, or I mean UCF, you know, just you know, even if you end up in the American, you know, that's not bad, but like seriously, like you're at if you're at the power five level, what are you transferring transferring for? Unless you really miss home, but guess what? A lot of guys miss home. A lot of college students miss home. Did you so when you were in Oklahoma State, did you have an uncle in your ear saying, You're too good for this? You need more you need more respect in the business college at Oklahoma State. You should go somewhere else where they, they value you more. Well, considering my uncle that would be in my ear would would was an Oklahoma State alum. Um, I didn't know. I don't. That. I, don't think, I don't. I don't think that'd be a case. <laughs> I think hmm. he'd he'd be more upset. But On this uh, edition of the Questions Podcast, Zach's dirty secrets come out. An uncle <laughs> went to Oklahoma State. But I went to Oklahoma State. <laughs> the whole Carlson line has gone bad. No, it's the mom's side, so not Carlson. But okay, and okay. Uh, I I need to add this. My my dad was born in Oklahoma. Since we're airing family secrets, okay, let's move on. Next question is also from Oiler Cat too. What do you think of the t- of the decision for the ban not to play for the Texas game? Well, it sucks. Um, and uh, campus is departing at Thanksgiving, so the students would have to come back. So that's part of it. Um, but anyone who knows me knows that uh, I love a good conspiracy theory. I love conspiracy theories. Um, Elvis didn't die when they said he died, and the mafia killed Kennedy. Let's just start there. And uh, I don't think this is about COVID. It might, it's a good cover, but Zach, share the conspiracy theory. This is, yeah, this is not, I don't actually believe this, but it's funny to think about. I think this is the Michael Jordan gambling suspension of our era. Uh, you know, looking back to the Oklahoma State game, and the band playing during Oklahoma State's plays and Mike Gundy getting very upset, this very well could be a secret suspension. And COVID is the cover. I like okay, it. We're compl- I'm completely joking. Not a real con- – it's just a conspiracy. I don't I know. I don't actually believe this. I don't actually believe it. But if you look at how the students were going to be – they were going to be gone anyway. You know, this was supposed to be commencement weekend. Um, you know, that was going to be two weeks before, you know, students were going to leave. They were going to go, you know, take their finals remotely. You know, no one's really going to supposed to be in Manhattan. I think there'll be enough people staying, you know, Gills is going to stay, help us out with basketball. But, you know, I think, you know, it, I'm not surprised by it, you know, just based on how the semester was planned to go and you know now that they've canceled commencement you know it it makes kind of some sense there but you know i i don't see it as you know oh they're worried about transmitting it at the game and it's, it's not really about that it's more hey we have tons of people out for covid you know i wonder if they have a minimum uh instrument rule for certain positions to be able to oh. play like the football team oh. you lose all your clarinets 
You know, can you play? Well, you got to have the tuba section. You got to have have the. You got to have enough tubas. Tubas and drums. Mm. You know, if if both of those groups are out, I think that, I think you know, you gotta you gotta cancel. So. It's going to be so but weird. It's everything's it's been be weird. weird about this year, but at least the band was there. And I've noticed that the announcers have called out the band, how cool it is. You know, they, they take up that end zone. It looks cool. The classic cats are then up in the band area, which looks cool. Um, they deserve credit for it. Been awesome. From, from after the first game, you know, seeing how, the, how closely they were sat the first game, you're kind of like, yeah, probably not six feet, but I think they only had half the band, but them spreading out, in that north end zone was perfect. You know, they did it perfectly, and they've done a great job. And I feel terrible for the seniors not getting to have that last game. But, you know, under the circumstances, I completely understand it. You know, it's going to be frustrating for the fans and the experience of them not being there. But at the same time, you know, there's, you know, there's still a lot of music piped through the, the speakers during the course of play. And I don't think anything's really going to change, I guess. You know, you still got your third down music, your second down music, you know, whatever. It's probably going to be more of that. You know, I think that you might have more of kind of an NBA audio feel. You know, if you're if you're a fan that, that's going to be in the stadium and hopefully they allow fans, I guess, you know, with, with mm. them canceling with them canceling basketball attendance yesterday um, for, for November, you know, Bramlage is going to be you know, an empty arena, you know, you kind of got to, got to wonder, Hey, are they going to do the same thing? If cases are keep going up, I mean, remember how they canceled everything early in March and that was to get in front of a lot of stuff, but we're what three, four times the daily rate of infection from that point. So I, I totally get, you know, there's a certain tolerance of positive case rate and you know, what is, tolerable for you know the spread and the community but at some point it is going to be you're going to hit your tolerance levels where hey we need to stop doing stuff that we want to do like that so i'm curious if you know if the league or k-state i doubt it would be come from k-state it'd come from the county first probably yeah but i think k-state will argue it's outdoors and it'll be fine how about this zach yeah how about this we Encourage the band to do their pregame and halftime shows via Zoom. That would be disastrous. And, but you can record it and nobody would know. If they tried playing it live or is everybody going to play all their individual parts and somebody's going to edit it together? Well, I don't want to do either. I don't want to do either of those fits. That's a that editor is gonna die. You'd just go insane over that computer with three hundred different <laughs> different audio lines. <laughs> but they're also, uh, you know, the the lag on playing it all together at one time is gonna be terrible too. If you're trying to record that, so I'd be worried. Yeah, I, I don't think logistics through. I just I'm a dreamer. Yeah, well, I mean, I I'm want here to my... shut those down. I'm the rational one here. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> why we work well together. <laughs> From get out more cat. What is the basketball season's off season been like, and how much work or practice have they gotten in compared to a normal season? And have you heard of any bright spots from the newcomers? 
Well, it's been weird. Everything's been weird. <clears throat> I mean, as Coach Weber said, they can't even get enough guys to practice with. I mean, between yeah, they, injuries and COVID and, you know, someone was out for contact tracing and COVID's going to make basketball so tough, so tough. I mean, I was surprised yesterday when he said, you know, we've got these different guys, you know, we got a couple people living in this apartment, a couple people living in this apartment, got one with four. Like, at what point do you as the athletic department and you as the university say, hey, we need to get these guys single rooms somewhere on campus? They should all you know, be in one-bedroom be- studio apartments. At, I mean, there's got to be enough rooms. There's just got – there has yeah. to be. Uh, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. I mean, it, well, surely, surely there are single rooms somewhere on K-State's campus or they can find an apartment complex somewhere that has single – you know, single apartments nearby. It just, it's mind numbing to me that they had all this time to prepare over the summer to figure out living arrangements for these guys. And they still felt the need to put them together. I mean, I'm with you. four guys, four guys in, an, in a house or an apartment together is just during this pandemic just seems completely irresponsible because one of those guys gets it. Everyone's out. All four are out. <clears throat> Yeah, it's a and mess. also, uh, yeah, and another thing was, you know, they haven't been healthy. You know, contact tracing, COVID injuries, whatever. You know, they had officials for the first time last week. You know, they were able to play with some officials. They had to play four on four. They couldn't even play five on five. And they were just trying to get some some game simulations. So, you know, it, from that standpoint, it's it, it seems kind of frustrating, and I'd I'd be kind of worried. But at the same time, you know. Bruce and the players, they've been high on these newcomers. You know, Davian Bradford, you know, they're pretty high on, you know, a lot of these guys. Yeah. You know, Rudy Williams yesterday, we talked to him for the first time, and he was extremely well-spoken. It was great. I think, you know, he's going to be a guy to look forward to. So, Um, But Davian Bradford's the answer there. Yeah. I mean, Coach Weber was talking about how people, including themselves, are he does things that are advanced and they didn't know he could do, even in the recruiting process. You know, so folks, K State apparently has at least one legitimate big man, but they've also spoken highly of Casey Izagu. And they've, they've thought he's done some really nice things too. And they'll be able to rotate those guys through the post and have a true post on the court at almost all times. It's if they're healthy. But yeah, yeah. That David Bradford's the, the short answer. But I mean, Nigel Pack has been really mm-hmm. highly thought of. I mean, Selton Miguel's gotten some. Nice reviews. I haven't heard a bad thing about anyone that they're not as good as what we thought, that, that they don't belong here. I mean, maybe a couple of them are less talented, but, and you know, Luke Gazabuki or whatever, you can't. I don't know. Uh, you just don't know. What a, yeah. I mean, I, I feel good about this class. And while you kind of wish this would have came in two or three years ago to kind of play with, you know, Dean, Barry, and Kamal, and they were juniors and seniors. But, you know, at the very least, this will kind of set a new foundation for the next four years. And hopefully, at least a couple of years from now, you get at least one similar recruiting class and you can have a, you know, come 2024, you can have kind of this super season. Seems wild for me to talk about 2024 being that, that close. But, you know, I think that, you know, they just need probably one more recruiting class in there, probably two or three years from now, 2022, 2023. And 
and you can have probably a, a decent season and a decent shot at some long-term success there. So now is the foundation. Let's see how well they can play this year, see how well they can play next year, and see if they can get some more guys that are younger that can play with these guys once they're vets. This hits at a great time for K-State, this, the whole pandemic thing. I mean, they're going to get this season. <clears throat> it's going to be weird. If they can stay healthy, they can win games. You know, I think that's the big key for this team. Stay healthy. Don't don't have infections. Stay out of issues. Uh, and, you know, be able to play to your strengths, which is a lot of young bodies to throw at people. Uh, the other thing that surprised us from the press conference with Bruce Weber was the fact that the Big 12 is currently playing with the idea that the minimum threshold for competition is six scholarship players, which I think is unbelievably low. I mean, you've got a couple walk-ons maybe. That means if they're healthy, I mean, you know, they, they might be out too if you're down to six scholarship guys. Maybe your walk-ons are gone. Is six enough really to play a game, with, particularly with Big 12 officials that like to file people out? I mean, is that enough or do you need at least seven available players? Um, I would think that would be – you know, six scholarships, seven available might be the the better number to say, go with. I'd say eight available. Uh, I, I think agree. I think eight's probably needs to be your threshold because you know two walk-ons is I don't think unreasonable to have. And you know, how many teams actually play only six players or even seven players? You know, you're at least getting eight players off your bench, and even then, that's a lot of minutes for everybody. Um, and you'd probably rather go to nine or ten in a normal a normal time, but I think that eight is probably the the best safe number, I guess you can get away with seven, I think, but I think eight is probably enough to be somewhat safe. Uh-huh. And even then, if you have eight players on your bench and that's all you have, you still are probably only playing six guys. I'll say this. Seven people if you're a, if you're a good basketball player, like you're the star at the wreck, you know, you're six, three, um, you can shoot the ball a little bit, <clears throat> you're quick, you can defend, you know, but you, you weren't good enough to play major college basketball. You could have probably played, you know, at a lower level, but you came just to be a student. It might be a good time to hit up Bruce Weber and say, hey, uh, do, do you need another walk-on to at least come practice? You can go hoop with some really good players. And if you're at it for the roster for the second semester, I mean – you might get into a Big 12 basketball game just because yeah. they'll be out of guys. Uh, I'm dead serious about this. If if I was in college right now uh, and I was a decent basketball player, neither of which was applicable to me, I was an okay basketball player, uh, I, I might do that. Might, you know, like uh, my buddy Jamie McAtee, James McAtee, the doctor, his son Pearson, we're, we were fraternity brothers. He was a freak in – in like rec at sports, basketball, volleyball, all those things, he was just of a different level than everyone else. And, uh, you know, just like exactly like that. Go out and go hoop, go play, go. Maybe you just get to practice and play a bunch of basketball with some really good players. Maybe they run short and they put a jersey on you, and next thing you know, you're playing in Gallagher-Iva. be pretty cool. It's too bad that the basketball courts are closed. At the wreck, they've been closed because it'd be hilarious just for Bruce just to dart over there, go watch a couple pickup games. Like, hey, you're coming with me. 
Can you pass a physical? I don't think. Do you have insurance? <laughs> I don't think it's a bad idea to at least look around and see if you can find a couple more guys for practice. So you, you, you know, can at least play five on five. It's crazy. Find what Cade Kinnaman sitting around somewhere. Exactly. You know, like how, how is there, there's surely guys like that on K-State's campus that played enough high school basketball to not be a complete liability in a big 12 game. Even All right. There's certainly a couple of guys and maybe once the football season's over, you just try finding a couple of guys on the football team. You know, if they've been going through all this protocol, you it's know, they understand this season. It, it, I, I kind of want to take a look at the, at the football roster and see, Hey, who, what bodies over there? Can we, we put on a basketball court, you know, Rashad Washington, you know, it's too bad. John Hulk, John Holcomb isn't on the team because I feel like he would have been priority one for Bruce uh, and maybe even say, Hey, Hey, Chris, can we just take him right now? You know, you've got Will Howard. You're good. <laughs> we need a basketball player and this guy can dunk on Twitter. <laughs> well, not actually on Twitter. I mean, that'd be, that's well, where the, yeah, it's where it lives, but yeah. yeah you know. All right. Last question of the podcast from K Ned. Winning cures all, and Wichita State made its name by dominating the Missouri Valley Conference. Now that they've slipped up and require a rebuild, can they win enough in the American to cure this Marshall mess, or are they in over their heads now that they are down? Is Wichita State taking a hit good for K-State? Last part I first. It, I don't know that it really benefits K-State. I don't think it matters. They're not playing. They're, they don't overlap in recruiting that often, once in a while, and it's usually not a Kansas kid. Um, it's just kind of funny uh, to see them go through this. It's it's bad. It sucks. I like having Wichita State good. I think it makes the state value basketball even more. It's unfortunate this is taking place, but the good news for Wichita State is that rebuilding in basketball can take place in a couple seasons. You can get a couple recruiting classes, get the right guys, and off you go. I mean, that's what Lon Kruger did when he took over for Jack Hartman. He went and got Steve Henson, and he went and got Mitch Richmond and Charles Bledsoe, and boom, they started to take off. So this is all possible in a very short period of time with the basketball program, and them being in the American should make it more um, applicable for them to turn the corner because it's easier to recruit into that conference. So, um, yeah, it's kind of funny, though. If this had happened about the time – they were looking to move up. They wouldn't have been moved up. They'd still be in the Valley. It's all about timing, Zach. Just remember that as you go through life. It's about timing. Yeah. I mean, I think it's been impressive that even before Marshall, they had Mark Turgeon. They were doing well under Mark Turgeon. So, yep. you know, it's it's not just about one guy at Wichita State that can have success. You know, Marshall, Greg Marshall has had, you know, plenty of success that, you know, he built off of, of Mark Turgeon. So, you know, they might be down a little bit, but I'm not I'm not concerned that Wichita State can't go out and get a guy that's going to be good and good for them. And especially in, in, in a conference like the American, which it's not a power five conference for, for, for basketball per se, but you still got some solid teams there. Yeah. You know, it's not a bad conference and you're probably it's still a better conference than Missouri Valley. So even if you do have a down year, quote unquote that maybe wouldn't have got you into the tournament in the Valley probably gets you into the tournament in the American. That's just the reality. So 
you know, you, you add a couple extra teams, you know, SMU's had success lately, you know, maybe Tulsa a little bit. I don't really Memphis. know the American that much because Memphis. Yeah. Um, UConn's C- gone. Cincinnati. I mean, Cincinnati. They've got yeah. Some good basketball so, programs. So, you know, yeah. Even losing UConn, you still have, you know, some good, good teams there. So, what I want to see you in the know, short period here is what did they do? Did they hire an interim this year? There's been talk about Danny Manning, which would be interesting. They promoted their assistant. I they thought. did do it. Yeah, I think the, I mean, once once Marshall resigned, they said, "Hey, the, the I don't even know his name. I can't think of it." But I think they said he's going to be the interim for the rest the of the interim. Okay. Well, that means they want Chris Jans from New Mexico State, and that's a logical hire. He's a former Marshall assistant. People love him. Um, yeah, does he have a little few things in his history? Sure, but um, he's at New Mexico State. Hell, they don't. I'm sure they're going to be able to play at New Mexico State. Those New Mexico schools aren't allowed to practice. They're looking for places to go play and practice remotely out of state. It's crazy. So, um, yeah, I think that's where they'll end up. I don't know. It's they'll be fine. They'll be. It, they've got a good enough brand in the American where they'll be able to recruit good enough players to be. Um, Competitive in the American. As good as they've been, I don't know. Greg Marshall's a pretty good coach and a lousy human being. That's it for this edition of the Powercat Questions podcast. We're hoping we got it all in here. Make sure, if you're not a subscriber, hit up that 50% off. Please do so. Take advantage of it. um, And support local businesses like The Fridge, Hilo, and Tanner's, or whatever Manhattan business you like when you come to town. Make sure you hit them up. I'm Fitz, and that's Zach. We'll be back next week with more of the Questions podcast. In the course of the morning, we'll be rolling out the Fitz and Keats Powercat pregame show as we prepare you for Saturday's game at Iowa State. Cats and clones at 3 p.m. Powercat podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.